been like really trashy and everything been here. So to see the cleanup, to see, if, you know, like I showed you the before picture of what's what we was dealing with, I am. That was the voice of a Baltimore resident talking about how happy she is and just in how incredibly moved she was and her family was to see people coming from all over the place um, a couple weeks ago to help clean up Baltimore. And this was a movement. This was a uh, organized event by Scott Ryan Pressler. Um, you might know him from Twitter. You might know him from Facebook. Uh, he has an enormous social media following, and he organized a Baltimore cleanup after President Trump called out Elijah Cummings for presiding over his city, which is rat and trash infested and just a complete crap hole of a place to live because of who has been in control has nothing to do with the people who live there has nothing to do with the way the people live there it has to do with the mismanagement and misbudgeting and corruption and fraud within the people who control baltimore of why it is such a disaster so scott pressler wanted to bring people together and fix the community clean up the community and make many friends along the way. So I commend Scott Pressler for that. I'm Thomas John. This is my podcast, Dangerous. I haven't made an episode in a long time, well, a couple months, because I've just been so busy. Look, this is not my day job. This is not something that I get paid to do. This is something I do on my free time that I have, which is very minimal. I'm getting my house put together. Um, I'm on the local Republican committee where I'm a secretary, you know, doing all these different things, you know, on top of work and on top of a social life that I try to have. So, uh, I'm very busy. This is an episode that I'm doing that I haven't done in a long time, but I wanted to start out by thanking Scott Pressler for what he has done and what he continues to do. There's already trash cleanup movements starting in Newark, New Jersey and LA and uh, Norfolk, Virginia. He has really created a movement now of grassroots patriots who just want to come together, help the community, and put our time and energy and money where our mouth is. Because we as conservatives, we are supposed to be the ones who care about uplifting people without the need of government doing it. Okay, we're supposed to be the ones helping people get out of poverty, helping people lift them up from their bootstraps and get them to work, clean up communities, do all these things, because our position is that the government shouldn't be the one doing that. So if no one steps up to do it, then the government is going to have to do it. So I commend uh, Scott Presser for what he has done and what he is continuing to do. Um, and it's just really incredible. It's incredible to see and you watch the videos of how happy these people are and how just overly joyed they are to see people coming into their community to help out and... It's just a beautiful thing. When you see Americans coming together to help other Americans, if that doesn't make you happy, then there is something very disturbingly wrong with you. So again, uh, I'm Thomas John. This is my podcast, Dangerous. Uh, we're going to be back in a second. We have a huge show to do because so much has happened since the last time I made an episode. We have Epstein, 
uh, you know, air quotes here, killing himself. Um, I asked a question on Facebook um, about whether you think he actually killed himself or was he taken out by somebody like the Clintons. Uh, we have all these mass shootings happening. We have Trump um, behind in a lot of the, the polls, the fake news polls, with the 2020, 2020 Democrats, we have the uh, uh, the debates that happened with the clowns that were on stage promising free everything. Um, we have issues going on in North Korea. We have the stock market tanking. Um, we have a lot of things that happened. So this episode is going to be a huge one. And uh, thank you for being here. Thank you for listening. We'll be back in a second. Israel denies Omar and Tlaib entry after Trump's tweet. Good. Good. There's no reason why these two fanatical Muslim members of Congress who who absolutely hate Israel, hate the Jewish people, hate white people, hate America, should go there. So Israel on Thursday announced that it would deny reps Ilhan Omar and Rashida Tlaib entry to the country during an upcoming overseas trip, according to multiple reports. The decision was announced moments after President Trump tweeted that it would show great weakness, which it would, for Israel to allow the two congresswomen into the country, calling them a disgrace, which they are. The president has been an outspoken critic of both Omar and Tlaib, who last year became the first two Muslim women ever elected to Congress. Deputy Israeli Foreign Minister Zippy Hotevli said the country would not allow those who deny our right to exist in this world to enter. According to the Israeli Times, Hotevli called it a very justified decision. Good. I am very happy that they decided to do that because these two Muslims hate Israel don't believe in Israel's right to exist. They claim Israel is a racist nation, which it's not. They claim America is a racist nation, which it is not. They hate white people. They hate Jews. And they should be thrown out of Congress immediately. But is that going to happen? Of course not. So then, Rashida, Rep Shalita, whatever her name is, Talib, what's her name? Talib, says that now... Since she got, because I guess she has a sick grandma, okay? She has a sick grandma in the West Bank or something like that. So she wanted to get some sort of permission granted on humanitarian conditions to go there just so that she could visit uh, her sickly grandma, whatever. So Israel says, okay, you can do that. But while you're here, you're not going to hold protests or give any type of speech or make any type of announcement in support for boycotting our country and saying that we do not have a right to exist. Seems like a fair deal. Okay, you can come in, you can visit. But while you're here in our country visiting your grandmother, please don't say that we don't have a right to exist. And she refused. So, uh, Shaniqua Talib will forego a trip to see her dying grandmother in the West Bank after the Israeli government said it would allow a visit, quote, on humanitarian grounds. In a reversal, Tashlab rejected the conditions laid out by Israeli Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu for the humanitarian visit, namely that she would not broadcast her support 
for boycotting Israel. Okay, as long as while she's there, she doesn't announce that Israel sucks and Israel's racist and Israel shouldn't exist. That's all he asked her to do. So Talib, who is the daughter of Palestinian immigrants, was permitted a family visit. Uh, and only if she agreed to those terms, which she did not. So she's boycotting her own dying grandmother at this point just because she's so fanatically anti-Israel. She hates Jews so much that she can't even keep her fat, ugly mouth shut while she's in Israel if it means that she gets to visit her grandmother. She can't even contain the hate within her own heart for the Jews for a day, two days, three days to visit her dying grandmother because she hates Jews so much. So now she's boycotting her own dying grandmother in order to spite Israel. She says, Visiting my grandmother under these oppressive conditions meant to humiliate me would break my grandmother's heart. Silencing me with treatment to make me feel less than is not what she wants for me. It would kill a piece of me that always stands up against racism and injustice. Unless it's racism against white people. Unless it's injustice against Israel. Unless it's spewing hatred out of your fat, ugly mouth that Jews don't have the right to exist, that Israel doesn't have the right to exist, that all white men and that America is a racist, disgusting nation, right? Right, R Rashika Talab, Shlab? I still don't know what her name is. Look, these people are so insane and so hateful and they hate, they hate all of their enemies so much that they have to turn everything into some sort of political movement. They have to turn everything that they do into some sort of some sort of ridiculous political statement because that's how much hatred they have in their own hearts. And they and yet they call us the hateful ones. I mean, it's really really sad. And and Trump is getting a lot of flack from Republicans and, of course, the Democrats. The Democrats, you know, they're just insane at this point. But, you know, Trump's, Trump requesting that a foreign country bar the entry of elected U.S. officials and then the other country's, you know, decision to actually do that, you know, that's unprecedented. I mean, that has not happened before as much as I know. And it, it drew a lot of criticism. I mean, many Israelis and people, you know, in Congress who support Israel were upset, but they said that basically it risked turning Israel into a partisan issue. Really? Israel isn't already a partisan issue? You have Democrat, Muslim, radical socialist Muslims, fascists in Congress under the Democrat Party umbrella who have been using Israel as a partisan issue since like forever. So how is Trump doing this now? He's the one turning Israel into a part into a partisan issue. Really? I mean, that is the dumbest thing I've ever heard in my life. And that just shows how ignorant these people are of their own actions and their own words, because the Democrats have turned Israel into a political issue since like forever. And Muslims like Omar 
who say it's all about the Benjamins, baby, and make anti-Semitic, racist, anti-Jewish, anti-Israel statements on a daily basis. They're the ones turning Israel into a political issue. So I don't want to hear it. So the squad is now banned from Israel, which is good. I completely agree with that. They should be banned from the United States. They should be shipped off to some foreign country, send them back. They do not belong here. They are anti-American. They hate this country. They hate you and I. They hate us. They hate our families. They hate everything about us. And they want to transform this country. And they want reparations. And they want this and that and socialism. And they're just totally insane people. And they do not belong in Congress. And I hope to God that these people lose next time around. Because that's the only way we're going to save this country from the radical Democrat Muslim socialists who are trying to take it over. I thought, that, I thought, I thought that's who you were. No, funky-ass bitches from the right call me Fredo. My name is Chris Cuomo. I'm an anchor on CNN. Oh, much... Fredo is from the Godfather. He was a weak brother. Isn't that your And they use it as an Italian aspersion. Any of you Italian? Oh, Any of you Italian? Gotta, gotta it's a fucking insult to your people. It's an insult to your fucking people. It's like the N-word for us. So um, is that a cool fucking thing? You're a much more reasonable guy in person than you seem to be on television. Yeah, but if you want to play, then we'll fucking play. If you've got something not. you want to say about what I do on television, then say it. But I'm going to fall to you. Hey, man, hey, listen. What? what? You're going to have a big fucking problem. What's the problem? It's a little different on TV. Don't fucking insult me like that. I didn't insult you. You call me Fredo. It's like I call you punk bitch. You like that? You want that to be your nickname? I didn't call you that. You call me Fredo. You know my name now, fucking Fredo. You did not think my name was fucking Fredo. Don't be a liar. You want to be a man? Stand up like a man. So there you hear uh, Chris Cuomo. I mean, this was a really bad week for CNN. You have Cuomo freaking out, threatening to throw people down flights of stairs and cursing and totally losing his mind getting in people's faces, and then you have Don Lemon being accused of some sort of bizarre, weird sexual harassment thing in a bar at like 2 a.m. I mean, and then the ratings are plummeting. You have uh, the issue with April Ryan. I mean, you just have a really bad week for CNN. So Chris Cuomo gets called Fredo. Gets called Fredo by somebody. Okay, um... It's a term that's been around for a really long time, since The Godfather. Um, it means that you are the weak, dumb brother, okay? So somebody calls Cuomo Frito, okay? He loses his mind. I mean, you heard him. He loses his mind, freaks out, and then it goes viral. And then he apologizes on Twitter, saying that, 
I'm, I'm ambushed all the time and I usually control my temper much better than this and people attack me and I should know better than I should know. I should be better than those who attack me. Some weird half-assed remark on Twitter and then he gets totally out of it. Like, you know, nothing even happens to him. Uh, now, imagine, remember Nicholas Sandman or whatever his name was, the kid who was wearing the MAGA hat uh, at... Um, at a rally somewhere, and this Indian guy gets in his face, banging drums and screaming and yelling, and all this kid does was stand there and had a smile on his face, and he gets, like, three months worth of news coverage because all he did was stand there, and Chris Cuomo totally loses his mind and goes on hinge and curses and threatens to throw somebody down a flight of stairs for saying... A word to him? Someone says the word Frito, and he, like, like goes way... He goes, like, red zone... Like, if this was, like, a dog, he'd be, like, red zone dog aggression. Like, redirection bites on everybody. I mean, this guy lost his mind. Because somebody said Frito. Meanwhile, the, the kid, Nick, stood there and didn't do anything. And the media ran with it, saying that, oh, my God, he's racist. And oh my god, he, he, he was, oh my god, it was terrible what he did. I mean, think about the double standard here. Where you have, you know, Trump tweets something calling somebody a name. And, or responds to somebody by calling them a name back. And, oh my god, impeach. Oh my god, he's going to cause World War Three. You know, I get that he's the president and Cuomo's not the president. But, you know, they, they talk about his judgment and he's so immature and he just can't handle criticism. But yet their darling idol on CNN, Chris Cuomo, gets called Fredo and he totally loses his freaking mind. Totally unhinged. Anger management needed for this guy. And then Trump tweets out <laughs> freaking, and I said this like as soon as I saw this, I was like, wow. This is a perfect case for red flag laws. Do you want Chris Cuomo walking around with a gun when he's this unhinged? Trump tweets out, would Chris Cuomo's actions be reason enough for a red flag law? And all the Republicans and libertarians who are against red flag laws sort of saying, oh, thank you for proving the point about how red flag laws will infringe on the Second Amendment. I mean, it was a joke. Come on. It was a joke. And it was a funny one. And I thought of it as soon as the situation happened. As soon as I saw the video and I posted it on my Facebook page, the first comment I made was, Chris Cuomo, the people like Chris Cuomo are the reasons why we need red flag laws. And it was a joke, obviously. I'm against red flag laws. But, you know, Trump just completely trolled him. And now he's selling Frito Unhinged shirts. You know, I called him Frito Unhinged in my Facebook page. I mean, like... This is just so hilarious how insane he went just simply by being called a name. And then you have Nick Sandman who just all he did was stand there while this guy was banging a freaking tambourine in his face and screaming at him with his nasty teeth. And he gets like weeks of media coverage talking about how horrible of a person he was. But Chris Cuomo gets called Frito and threatens to throw a guy and a bunch of people down a flight of stairs and is cursing and saying the most horrible ghetto things. I mean, come on. The double standard is ridiculous. Chris Cuomo should be fired. And then you have Don Lemon going up to people at 2 a.m. in a bar and, like, putting his hand down his pants and then, like, cuffing somebody's mouth and asking him if he likes them. I mean, 
truly bizarre stuff going on right now at CNN. So it's a bad week for CNN. It's a total disaster. Everybody knows it. Nobody watches the shows. And it's just a complete mess. And it's an embarrassment and it's a disgrace. Um, and then you have Biden. I mean, he's like the gift that keeps on giving, right? So Biden's poll numbers are staying the same. He's stagnant. He's stagnant at about 30%. Elizabeth Warren has shot up like 20 points since the last poll was done. And, and, and uh, Sanders lost like 20 points. So Elizabeth Warren's stealing all of Bernie's support. And right now, Elizabeth Warren is the biggest competitor to Joe Biden. So you have crazy Uncle Joe, who doesn't know what he's saying half the time, against the angry, like, mean-faced librarian, Elizabeth Warren, and Pocahontas, the fake Indian. So now you have the two old white people going up against each other. And then you have Biden saying things like this. We should challenge these students. We should challenge students in these schools to have advanced placement programs in these schools. We have this notion that somehow if you're poor, you cannot do it. Poor kids are just as bright and just as talented as white kids. I mean, I mean, come on. I mean, come on. Come on. Poor kids are just as bright and just as talented as white kids. Think about how overtly racist that statement is. And I'm not going to dwell on this because we all know, we all heard this already. I know I'm behind the, the, the ball on this one um, because I didn't make an episode about it when it happened. But this is from a week ago. Joe Biden says poor kids are just as bright and just as talented as white kids. I mean, think about how overtly racist that is and the mindset and inner consciousness from which that statement stems from. He, in his own mind, envisions poor people as minorities automatically. If you're a minority, Joe Biden automatically assumes that you are poor. And if you are poor, Joe Biden automatically assumes that you are a minority. Think of the racism within that train of thought, which then breeds statements such as this. Think of that. Think of that. And he goes on and doesn't even try to correct himself. I mean, it's, it's really, really something that is just incredible to me how the racism within these people comes out and nobody says a word but you know trump trump uh you know says that he's gonna hold flags at half uh at half staff and somehow that's some bat signal to white supremacists somehow that's like a you know subliminal message to the nazis that you know eight eight it is going to be the date that the that the flags will be there until and somehow that's you know uh, subliminal messaging to all the white nationalists to go commit more murders and kill black people. I mean, come on. And then you have literally Joe Biden just going out there and saying the most ridiculous things, assuming that if you're poor, you're black, and if you're black, you're poor. It's insane. And these people are going to go up against Trump and be taken seriously. I mean, give me a break.
So, really bad week for CNN. We have all these other things going on. Um, you had Trump's rally last night in New Hampshire. I loved when the uh, fat, disgusting, overweight loser protester uh, started, you know, freaking out. And Trump turns around and goes, that guy's got a serious weight problem. She should go home and exercise. <laughs> he's going to go home to mommy and she's going to say, what the hell did you just do? Uh, he's getting a lot of flack for that. But he also kind of joked about his own weight while doing it. So it's not like he was being, you know, what do the, what do the, the, the psycho liberals call it? Uh, fat phobic or, um, you know, body shaming. I mean, liberals body shame Trump all the freaking time. So don't tell me that he can't body shame a protester who's disrupting his own rally. So I thought that was hilarious. Uh, Trump wants to buy Greenland. Okay. Um, log cabin Republicans endorse Trump. Good. They should do that. No president has done more for gay people in this country and around the world than Donald Trump has. He's the first president ever elected to be in support of gay marriage before being elected. Obama was for it after he got elected. He was against it before he got elected. Trump was elected already being in support of gay marriage. Trump doesn't care if you're gay, straight, bi, trans, whatever other letter alphabet thing that there is. He doesn't care. He wants every single American citizen to be successful, to be wealthy, to be safe, and to be able to live their life. So the log cabin Republicans has endorsed Donald Trump, something that many didn't think was going to happen, but he is, Trump is doing so much to decriminalize homosexuality around the world. He got Sudan to do it recently. He has the first openly gay ambassadors. I mean, he has done so much for gays and gay rights than any other president ever Ever, including Obama, because if you remember in 2008 and if you remember in 2012, Obama was totally against gay rights. He was totally against gay marriage. He wasn't for gay adoption. He was totally against it. Trump back in the 90s was saying how he just doesn't care and that gay should be able to get married. Okay, so you just look at the history. Okay, look at what people have actually done, look at what Trump has done for gay people before even becoming president. And then look at what, o what Obama and the Democrats have done. Nothing. Nothing. <sighs> Trump last stems for wanting to give illegals free welfare over U.S. citizens. Good. Bernie Sanders, the aging seltzer man who's losing in all the polls, now suggests that U.S. should cut all funds to Israel over banning Omar and Rashida the slob from entering. Sheila Jackson Lee says, quote, huge sums of money are needed to, quote, win over white minds. Let's click on this. Huge sums of money are needed to win over, quote, white minds. Racism is a national security threat. Oh my goodness. Rep Sheila Jackson Lee on Tuesday declared that racism is a national security threat and urged President Donald Trump's administration to invest federal funds to get into the lives 
and minds of young white males who are drawn to white militia, white supremacy, white nationalism because they have nothing else to do. Do you hear this? These people are crazy. These people are absolutely crazy. They've lost their minds. They hate white people. They hate white men. They hate America. They hate you and they hate me. I believe that racism should be declared a national security threat, Jackson Lee said during a House Homeland Security Committee meeting. She's on the House Homeland Security Committee? Crazy people, anti-white people like her are on the House Homeland Security Committee. This is why we need to win back the House. This is why we should never have lost the House in the first place. Racism is a national security threat. Before we would say, you have a right to your racist views, you have a right to believe that slavery was right, that segregation was right. We live in an era where that can no longer be allowed. Who have you ever heard say that slavery was right? I have never, and I'm almost 30, I have never once heard anybody seriously say that slavery was a good thing. That slavery was right. I have never, besides Joe Biden, heard anybody say that segregationists were right. Remember, it was Joe Biden who bragged about working with them and being so close with segregationists. So we live in an era where that can no longer be allowed. She said FBI statistics prove that there's an acceleration of hate crime since Trump became president and asked who is the predominant actor? Young, disaffected white males. What is a major factor? Youth. She hates white men. She hates white men. She says we must find a way to invest huge sums of money intervening in these white minds, these evil white minds that are drawn to white militia, white supremacy, white nationalism, because they have nothing else to do. No intervention, no recreation, no libraries, no training of communities, Jackson Lee insisted. Jackson Lee warned that without these investments that will be, that will enable organizations like faith-based groups to be able to get into the lives of these individuals, America will wind up with more dead parishioners and more people whose lives are turned upside down because of white people. The Texas Congresswoman said the federal government must find real remedies because white people are killing us. <sighs> she hates white people. It, this isn't the first thing that she's done that shows the, the racism that she has within her own heart for white people. This is what I think will be Biden's biggest, if he gets a nomination, I mean, if, if he doesn't gaff himself to death and he doesn't gaff himself into oblivion in the polls, which he's already doing, so it's wonderful to watch, but if Biden makes it to the nomination and he goes up against Trump, I think his biggest liability will be his connection with China and his connection with Uranium One and his connection with his son and Ukraine. 
So right now, the Senate Finance Committee is probing a Biden-linked Chinese military boosting tech sale. And this is going to come back to haunt him, I really think. The Senate Finance Committee is probing the Obama administration's 2015 decision to approve the sale of a U.S. company with insight into military applications to the Chinese government and an investment firm run by former Vice President, former Vice President Joe Biden's youngest son, Hunter. Grassley, Republican from Iowa, the committee's chairman, sent a letter to the Treasury Secretary on Thursday requesting documents relating to the sale of Henegis, a Michigan-based automotive company, to Aviation Industry Corporation of China, or AVIC, and Bohai Harvest RST, or BHR. So the name of the companies isn't really that important, but the BHR, this company, was formed in 2013 by a merger between subsidiary of the Bank of China and Rosemont Seneca. And Rosemont Seneca is a firm started by Hunter Biden and Chris Hines, the stepson of former Secretary of State John Kerry. So you see how this works. You see what's going on here. Since AVIC was a subsidiary of the Chinese government, and Henegis, the producer of dual-use anti-vibration technology with military application, the deal required approval from the Obama administration's Committee on Foreign Investment in the United States. The panel, made up of representatives from 16 different federal bodies, including the Department of State, Treasury, and Defense, is required to review any transaction that could lead to a foreign person gaining control of an American business. In question is whether the decision was influenced by Obama administration officials, most notably Joe Biden and John Kerry, who had an interest in seeing the deal move forward. The direct involvement of Mr. Hunter Biden and Mr. Hines in the acquisition of Henegis by the Chinese government creates a potential conflict of interest, Grassley wrote. Grassley noted in his letter that the AVIC's bid for Henegis should have immediately set off alarm bells in the Obama White House. But in 2007, AVIC reportedly involved in stealing sensitive data regarding the Joint Strike Fighter Program, which it later reportedly incorporated into China's J-20 and J-31 aircrafts. So they're stealing our technology, all of this is going on, and who's getting rich off of it? Joe Biden's son and John Kerry's son. So you see how this works. This is going to be very big in the upcoming election if Joe Biden gets the nomination. It's not going to be him sniffing little girl's hair. It's not going to be, well, partly it's going to be his gas because he's going to have many more. I can't wait to hear what this guy has to say in the next coming months because you know he's going to gaff himself to death. Um... But this is going to be huge, along with Rosemont Seneca and Ukraine. I'm telling you right now, this is going to be huge. You can read this article. It's from Breitbart. I'm going to post it on my Facebook page. You can go to Facebook. Um, I'm under there as Thomas John. Add me. I just cleared off a couple of maybe, I've cleared out maybe like 50 people off my friends list because I was getting bored with some of them. Um, but follow me on there. I'm going to post the article. You can read it, share it. This is going to be something much bigger than I think anybody is willing to say. This is why 
Maybe this is why Joe Biden is gaffing all the time, because he'd rather have people talk about how senile he is rather than talk about the corruption with his own son. Maybe that's why. I don't know. But the Senate, the Senate Finance Committee is probing this Biden-linked Chinese military-boosting technology sale. And I think a lot of information is going to come out of this. I think if the Senate Finance Committee continues to probe it, it's going to be much bigger than what it is now. And a lot of other things are going to be looked at as well. A lot of other things. Because Hunter Biden has been involved in a lot of deals, whether with China or Ukraine or Russia. It's going to be looked at. And the influence that Joe Biden had as vice president is also going to be looked at. And if there are any red flags, it's going to blow up. I'm telling you. So de Blasio got 0% in Iowa State Fair corn kernel poll. I mean, this guy really, you know, in the beginning, people thought that maybe he had something going, but he just, every time he talks, he sounds so unhinged that nobody takes him seriously. So, <laughs> uh, even after his food and game filled Sunday at the fair, where he gave a 20 minute pitch to voters at the famed political soapbox, the New York City mayor is registering as 0% in the fair's corn kernel poll. Attendees at the fair over the age of 18 can place a kernel of corn into a jar to select their top caucus choice. Around 6 p.m. Sunday, the mayor's tour around the fairgrounds was wrapping up. The post counted about 23 kernels in his jar. The end of the day results showed his percentage was zero. That's got a sting. That's really got a sting. To have to be forced to walk around with you know, the quote-unquote Walmart people all day long and eat fried food and talk to people, the peasants, and then to get 0% in a poll after putting all that hard work in, leaving your fancy New York mansions and, you know, penthouse apartments to go to Iowa. I mean, he really must have been pissed. I hope he didn't get any mustard on his suit. I really hope that he didn't get any popcorn butter on his tie. I really hope that he didn't, you know, get sunburned, maybe. Uh, it was probably hot, and he probably got sweaty, probably got sweat stains on his fancy shirts. You know, he must be really mad that nobody voted for him in that corn kernel poll after all that hard work he put in. Uh, the polls, I don't believe, by the way, all the polls that show Donald Trump losing by double digits to people like Elizabeth Warren and and Camel. Harris. I mean, come on. I don't believe any of the polls right now, but this one is an interesting one because this one is has to do with the dynamic between Bernie, the crazy communist, and Elizabeth Warren, the angry librarian. So poll shows Elizabeth Warren destroying Bernie, becoming Biden's progressive challenger. Bernie Sanders and Elizabeth Warren participate in the first two Democratic presidential primary debates and they really were kind of just going right at it, you know, almost overtly. And um, 
According to the latest Fox News poll, Joe Biden continues to enjoy commanding lead, although his poll numbers are stagnant. I mean, he is still at 30%. He hasn't gone above or below 30%. Um, that's the good news for him, though. The bad news is that these numbers haven't improved over the course of months. The Democratic media complex has relentlessly pushed him as the inevitable nominee. But as many as 69% of Democratic voters clearly disagree with that assessment. For now, some things have changed behind Biden. Senator Bernie Sanders, long the darling of the far left, has been overtaken by the angry librarian. And overtaken means is completely and utterly destroying the elderly socialist guy. Elizabeth Warren is now at 20%. Bernie Sanders is at 10%. And Kamala Harris is at 8%. Warren's move up came in steady steps. From March to May, she gained five points and then three more in July and eight more in August for a total of 16 percentage point increase. During that same time, Sanders dropped 23%. I mean, that is really sad for him. And you saw him in the debate. I mean, he was like bright red. I mean, he almost was like Chris Cuomo being called Frito. He was totally unhinged. He was bright red, foaming at the mouth, spitting everywhere, and just looked totally pissed off. He had nothing charismatic about him. And Elizabeth Warren was really a little bit more put together and a little bit more, I would say, you know, just a little bit more, I guess she's a female. So she came across as more, you know, caring about the things that she believed in rather than just militant socialists like Bernie came off as. So, you know, the angry librarian, Elizabeth Warren, is now beating the crazy old socialist seltzer man, Bernie Sanders, um, in the polls. And really for Biden, if he continues to gaff, if he continues to look like he's old and senile and doesn't know what he's talking about, he's, he's going to have a much harder time because people are now, you know, you have almost like the never Bidens. Like we had the never Trumps in the Republican Party. Right now you have a voting block, which is staunchly never Biden. It is the young, millennial, younger, socialist-loving, drug-addicted idiots who are voting for socialism but don't even know what the hell socialism is. So that's almost like the never Trump part of the new Democratic Party. They're the never Bidens. They will never support someone like Joe Biden because he's too moderate and because he isn't radical socialist like they are. And they want an Elizabeth Warren and they want somebody like Bernie Sanders who is radical and is going to promise everything for free and not second guess it. And wants to decriminalize border crossings because they don't believe in borders. They think that borders are racist. Joe Biden's never going to win them over. So you have a never Biden group forming within the Democratic Party. And as we get closer to the next debates and as we get closer to the primaries, you're going to see a dynamic where as more of the, you know, outliers start to drop out like a booty gag and, you know, a Williamson and a Delaney and all these other people, as you start to see them start to drop out and, and, and Camel Harris, as you start to see them drop out, you're going to see more of that support going towards Elizabeth Warren. At this point, she has no reason to drop out. 
At this point, really, Bernie doesn't really have any reason to drop out either. But it's going to be all those people leaving those people, and they're not going to go to Biden. Because if they were going to go to Biden, they would have already. So they're going to go to, a, to an Elizabeth Warren. And Biden's biggest benefit, just like Trump's was in the, Dem in the Republican primary in 2016, was having the vote split between all of these different people. And that really helped him. So that is sort of the dynamic that we're starting to see. And I think it's going to be really hard for Biden not to ruin this for himself. He already is showing that he has no ability. He has zero ability to control what he says. He makes the most ridiculous racist gaffes all of the time. notion that somehow if you're poor you cannot do it <laughs> poor kids are just as bright and just as talented as white kids wealthy kids black kids what kind of a chance with a northeastern liberal like joe biden stand uh in the south if you Man, he's been doing this against like mark warner and uh, john edwards now you don't know my state my state was a slave state my state is a border state they're gonna put you all back in chains <laughs> my god we got the first sort oh my God, this one mainstream African-American yeah. who is articulate and bright and, and, and clean and nice-looking. And clean? Most foreign policy experts around the world say is the most, the wisest man in the Orient. It's a large, most what? very identifiable Somali community. I might add, if you ever come to the train station with me, you'll notice that uh, I have great relationships with it because... There's an awful lot of driving cabs. Apologize oh for what? Former Vice President Biden Wednesday night stood by comments he made this week about his work with two segregationist senators. I was in a caucus with James O. Eastland. He never called me boy. He always called me son. At least there was some <laughs> civility. We got things done. I'm not a racist bone in my body. I've been involved in civil rights my whole career. Period. Oh, my goodness. So... <laughs> That was, um, those are just, just a small amount of the things that Biden has said that are just, just so blatantly racist, but nobody, nobody challenges him on all of those things because of the media complex. So if Biden continues to gaff himself to death and continue to say the most ridiculous racist things, then he's not going to make it. I'm telling you right now. The Democrat Party is now almost completely under the control of a socialist, militant, young, millennial, drug-addicted, moronic, stupid generation that is steering it towards full-fledged communism. And if you look at the Communist Party USA and you look at the Democratic platform, the differences are hard to find, okay? So the Democratic Party is now controlled by an entire generation of idiot, drug-addicted millennials who don't know what the hell they're doing, 
and they're not going to vote for Biden. They're just not going to do it. So if and if he continues to come across as this old senile old white guy who doesn't know what he's doing half the time, he's not going to get it. Okay? And and the party will choose an Elizabeth Warren or a Bernie Sanders or even a Marion Williamson if they have to. Because that is the voting block that now almost totally controls the party. And um, you can thank Bernie for that because he really started the movement in uh, the primaries against Hillary Clinton. And Hillary Clinton only won because of superdelegates and an entire rigged system. And if you look at that, a lot of those rules have changed, right? So... The same rules that protected Hillary back then, Tom Perez and others within the DNC have changed a lot of those rules. So it's going to be a lot easier this time for a Sanders or a Elizabeth Warren to make it to the top because it's not going to be rigged like it was for Hillary Clinton. So I found this video of Obama during a Democratic debate against, um, you know, this is probably back when George Bush was president when he ran the first time, um, talking about immigration. And this is why Donald Trump uh, won in 2016, because these types of promises have been made by um, people, politicians, for decades and nothing has been done about it. So listen to Barack Obama from the debates back when he was first running for president. This administration, the Bush administration, has done nothing to control the problem that we have. Uh, we've had five million undocumented workers come over the borders uh, since George Bush took office. Uh, it has become an extraordinary problem and the reason the American people are concerned is because they are seeing their own economic position slip away. And oftentimes, employers are exploiting these undocumented workers. They're not paying the minimum wage. They're not uh, observing worker safety laws. Uh, and so what we have to do is create a comprehensive solution to the problem. Now, I have already stated that as president, I will make sure that we finally have the kind of border security that we need. That's step number one. Step number two wow. is to take on employers. Racist. Right now, they an employer has more of a chance of getting hit by lightning than be prosecuted for hiring an undocumented worker. That has to change. They have to be held accountable. And when we do those things, when we do those things, I believe that we can take the undocumented workers, the illegal aliens who are here, get them out of the shadows, make sure that they are subject to a stiff penalty, make sure that they're learning English, wow. make sure that they go to the back of the line so they're not getting an advantage over back people who came here legally. Line. And when we do that, I think that we can, instead of shedding all this heat, start shedding some light on the problem, and we can once again be a nation of laws and a nation of immigrants. That's what I intend to do as President of the United States. All right. Wow. What, what a racist, xenophobic, anti-Mexican... Just, wow, make them learn English, get the border security that we need, send them to the back of the line. Wow. What 
a totally racist, xenophobic man, whoever that was, is just so racist and xenophobic. I bet you he works for Donald Trump. I bet you, I bet you that that man right there works for Donald Trump in this racist, xenophobic, sexist, misogynistic, Islamophobic, homophobic, transphobic, fatphobic administration of evil Nazis. I bet you that guy right now is working for Donald Trump. He probably writes Trump's speeches. Nazi. Ugly fascist Nazis. Thank you so much for listening to my podcast. I really appreciate all of my listeners and I appreciate those who keep in touch and who follow and like and subscribe and comment and share all of my different posts on social media, not just this podcast, but I'm also on Facebook. My page is Thomas John. You can look me up there and follow me on Facebook. You can follow me on Twitter at RealTommyMD. That's at Real. T-O-M-M-Y, the letter M and the letter D. And I'm also an editor on American Conservative Media. That's a Facebook page. Also at AmericanConservativeMedia.com. I'm also an editor on The Columbian Post and TheColumbianPost.com. And I'm also an admin on Occupy Democrats Logic on Facebook. So you can find me on all those different pages, all those different websites. Again, AmericanConservativeMedia.com, TheColumbianPost.com, Occupy Democrats Logic, my Facebook page, Thomas John, my Twitter, at RealTommyMD. I'm very busy, as you can tell. And if you want to become a supporter of this podcast and what I do and fighting the liberal media bias and exposing the hypocrisy on the left and supporting President Donald Trump and the agenda, basically making... America great again. If you want to become a supporter of what I do, you can go to anchor.fm slash Thomas John and you can click on become a supporter and you can send me a monthly donation of a dollar, 90 cents, 50 cents. You can send $10, whatever you can, whatever you want to do, you can become a supporter of my podcast and what I do. Again, that's anchor.fm slash Thomas John. Click on become a supporter. Also, while you're there, if you want to, you can send in a voice message. You can talk to me through this podcast. You can submit your questions. You can submit your opinions and you can be heard by all of the other listeners. And it's a really neat thing that Anchor lets me do. And I would love to hear from you. So again, go to anchor.fm backslash Thomas John. Click on become a supporter. I really appreciate it. And I hope to see you there. And I hope to hear from you guys on all the other different pages that I'm on. Thank you so much. Thank you.